And welcome once again to another edition of A Plain Answer here at Redeemer Broadcasting. I'm Dan Elmendorf. On the phone line with us today is Barry Milazzo. He is author of the book All the King's Horses, Finding Purpose and Hope in Brokenness and Impossibility. Barry, it's an honor to have you on with us today. Well, the the privilege and honor is mine, Dan. Thank you so much for this opportunity. Well, um, you've been through a lot in your life, and uh, we kind of met via the ether, as it were. (laughs) And uh, there's a local pastor in in the Preakness Valley area and Wayne area that kind of tied us together. So I'm honored to have you on today. Um, Maybe to get started, uh, you've written this book, but maybe you could give us like a really quick overview of your of your story, what you've been through, and how uh, tragedy uh, changed everything in, in your life. Well, uh, Dan, I, I would say it this way. Um, I was a young family man aspiring to get ahead in my career. Um, I had a very wonderful life going as by this world's standards. Uh, in my 20s, I had a beautiful daughter, a beautiful wife. Uh, my second child, um, Bryson, had arrived, and he was healthy as can be, beautiful baby boy. My career was going well. You couldn't, uh, you know, I was following the Lord, trying to serve the Lord. I, I don't know that I could ask for a better situation at that time of life. And as the title of my book suggests, all the king's horses and all the king's men couldn't put Humpty Dumpty together again. There was a disaster that happened uh, that we just absolutely flipped life like a pancake. And uh, that was that my son, Bryson, at eight months old, was profoundly brain injured, and he had an autoimmune reaction uh, against his central nervous system after the uh, administration of his early childhood vaccines. And he nearly perished. He had seizures immediately. After three days of fevers and seizures, uh, he survived was the good news. The, The bad news was we uh, took him everywhere to be evaluated uh, after this uh, near-death experience, and he was found to be so brain injured that doctors far and wide, and I'm talking about everywhere up and down the East Coast, Boston Children's, Children's Hospital, Johns Hopkins uh, Institute in Baltimore, Columbia Presbyterian in New York, and everywhere in between, and I had the resources to bring him everywhere. The diagnosis, the prognosis was this child uh, is lucky to be alive, however, he will never speak, uh, he, he, uh, he will never walk, and he's basically uneducable beyond very rudimentary levels. Um, I couldn't even put into words how crushed we were, um, <clears throat> and yet I will say for uh, the simplicity and, and to short circuit this just a little bit, God had other plans for my son. Uh, my son did walk. He walked when he was 10 years old after thousands of hours of torturous repetition uh, and failure. Um, And working with a brain-injured individual, the immense amount of failure is is really what my story is, pardon me, largely all about, uh, and how God's grace moved us forward. Today, uh, I mentioned that he he was predicted he would never speak. He speaks just fine, and you'd understand him well. Uh, but you'd also understand in about five seconds of conversation that he will always remain a child. So I will always be thankful, Dan, that uh, the Lord himself said, you must become like a little child to enter the kingdom of God. I will thank him forever for that. And I know that my little child, who is now a man, will one day, 
since his citizenship is in heaven, uh, that he will have a body like Jesus, Philippians 3.20 and 21 says. We're going to have a body like his. And I'll look forward to uh, the fact that um, the reality of that my son, who still walks with difficulty, with cerebral palsy, will have a body like Jesus, and he'll run and jump and fly, and he will, it's beyond what we can even imagine, what the Lord has in store for those who believe in him. So um, my story, uh, just to encapsulate and finish, is to give hope to other people who have impossibilities of their own variety. Uh, nothing is impossible for the Lord. And so, um, as I say that, and I'll turn this back over, Dan, uh, after this summary, I, I also hasten to add, maybe we'll get more into this, uh, we must allow heaven to define the terms of success and victory. Sometimes it looks a lot different oh, than yeah. what you and I would define as an earthly um, version of success or victory. God knows how to define it in, in ways that, that glorify Him and give us purpose. Well, Barry, uh, this is a shocking account. Your son at eight months old, um, some autoimmune reaction to early childhood vaccination. That's um, that's crushing. I mean, uh, we've that's not the subject today of the program, but we have heard of um, possible problems with vaccinations. Uh, you got me curious. I, I'm wondering uh, how quickly after the vaccination was the effect seen. It was it was immediate. Um, there were immediate fevers and she and 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 seizures, which lasted for into the third day. Um, and so, uh, it, you know, the the effect was was uh, was was immediately seen. Oh my! Yeah, we didn't know we didn't know at that time the you know the repercussions of what he was going through. We had we had no idea his brain was being injured. Oh, that's terrible. So uh, you call this. Um I guess the doctors called it uh, global brain damage. Is that what it was? Yeah, uh, <clears throat> global brain dysfunction. Um, we, you know, it's also static encephalopathy. The static part just means that it's not progressing, and we were very thankful for that. We weren't going to lose him. We found out that you know the damage that had been done was in place, but there's lesions of damage throughout his brain. So yeah, global brain dysfunction, uh, static encephalopathy. You know, you name it. He's got a lot of labels: autism's, uh, cerebral palsy. Uh, he fits into a lot of uh, categories, but the 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 main issue is that uh, there's there's lesions of damage throughout throughout his yeah. throughout his brain. Yeah. Now, uh, when you realized um, after you went to the doctors and traveled up and down the East Coast, and you realized, mm-hmm. wait a minute, there's there's no hope here. Um, how did how did you feel at that point? Uh, numb, uh, and and yet there was something in me that felt that you know I have to keep fighting. Uh, this kid, this kid's child, this, this child is 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 dependent on me. He's he's you know, and, and I guess maybe just to give you a picture, they say it's worth a thousand words. I don't know if this one will be, but. I was on the way back from uh, Columbia Presbyterian in New York, traveling on Route 80 West back to our home in New Jersey. And I looked in the rearview mirror at, uh, at my once healthy son, and he had been there for four days of testing, and they had probed him and done you know, painful tests on him for four days, including spinal taps and you name it. And 
and the prognosis uh, at the end of that visit, uh, the, the, the dean of pediatric neurology leaned over and said, you know, um, children like this are sometimes, you know, families elect to put them in an institution to live. Nothing could be more devastating to hear. Oh, yeah. And, you know, so the, the picture is that I looked in the rearview mirror and I, um, I saw my son, once healthy and vibrant and thriving, ahead in all the milestones that they measure babies with. Um, and there he was, sitting limp in his child seat in the back seat, head tilted over, eyes unfocused, almost catatonic-like. Uh, drooling, and I saw he was in such trouble to function in this world. And almost as if I was transmitting my thoughts to him, I started talking to him in my mind. It's like, Lord, you know, son, we're not finished yet. I'm going to find the best doctor in the world, and he's going to be able to heal you. Mm. we're not going to give up. I'm going to keep fighting for your son. And then came into my mind, and this is 30 years ago, Dan, I still can't get through this story without getting emotional. And so almost it, it, it came in my mind the first time. And that's why the book is said is, is entitled all the King's horses. That terrible nursery rhyme came and said, and I heard all the King's horses and all the King's men couldn't put Humpty Dumpty together again. And I'm right. trying to transmit some, words of hope to my son and I was being shut down by this one. I tried to block it out. I was there trying to remain strong for my wife who was in the passenger seat. And I, I just, I, I was like, son, we're going to, we're, we're, we're going to find a way of hope for you. And, and then again, the rhyme came in all the King's horses, all the King's men. I knew that. And, and, and I, and I hate that rhyme, but I use it in my book because I know there is a King. I know there is a King who can indeed put any impossible situation back together again. He's proven that to me again and again and again at every impossible juncture of my life, my son's life. And he'll do it for anybody, but he will define the terms of victory. Um, so um, that's that's the, the, the hope that's laced through my story. But anyway, that's how I felt at that time, just absolutely hopeless. I have a hunch that there's people out here today that perhaps have felt hopeless as well, maybe a little different circumstance. But sometimes it's glibly said that, um, not glibly, but people will say, well, um, God will never give us more than we can handle. Uh, you, ref- you refute that. Can you share with us uh, your thoughts on that? I, I do refute it. Um, I think it's antithetical to our faith. I, I know the First Corinthians ten thirteen says that he will never give us more temptation than we can bear. Oh, yeah. uh, I do not believe that that is um, what we have picked it up to mean and what our culture, our humanistic culture means by it. You know, there's songs right. out there. It's like, whatever, whatever doesn't kill you makes you stronger. And it's a good song. And, and I, I even want to applaud that, but I honestly, uh, Dan, um, I think the scripture says the opposite. Uh, I think whatever does kill us, makes us stronger. And I've got scriptural proof, you know, backup for that. Um, Paul says something peculiar in second Corinthians four. He says, we are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not despairing, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed. Listen to the word always and constantly. 
always caring about in the body, the dying of Jesus, so the life of Jesus may be manifested in us. For we who live are constantly being delivered over to death for Jesus' sake, so that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. And in the kicker, in verse 12, 2 Corinthians 4, so death works in us, but life works in you. It is the things that kill us that make us totally unable to deal with our situations that make us cling to the Lord. And he's the one who can come through for us as we trust in him alone. Uh, and as we trust not in ourselves, but in him, as, as Paul again says in second Corinthians one, verse 10, I, I think the emphasis is, as um, we would like to pick it up is like, we can handle this Lord. We got it from here, but we don't have anything from here. He's got it from here. Are we willing to trust in him and follow him and, and look at him as he delivers us step by step again and again and again. So, um, yeah, so I, I think he'll give us, I think he'll put us under the waterline. He'll give us more than we can handle for the purpose of causing us, teaching us to rely on him alone. And he's the only, and I, and it sounds like almost a cool thing for God to do. Like, why would he do that? He knows he's the only reality, the only being that is reliable. What we see in the mirror every morning is not reliable. He doesn't want us relying on ourselves. Uh, he wants us to know he'll give us more than we can handle so that we trust in him. He'll come through for us. So I, I think that's maybe it's a little bit of a nuanced difference, but I think it's a very, very real and important difference to rely upon him and not on ourselves. Yeah, yeah, that's a very good point. As as you were speaking, I was thinking of a, a line from a hymn. Uh, it'll be familiar to our listeners Nothing in my hand I bring, uh, simply to thy cross I cling. Mm. Naked come to thee for dress, helpless look mm. to thee for grace. Foul Amen. I to the fountain fly, wash me, mm. Savior, or I die. Amen. And uh, that, that, that's the third stanza from uh, Rock of Ages. Mm. Uh, today we're talking with Barry Milazzo. Uh, he's gone through a tragedy in his life of a son who, at eight months old, acquired a brain injury, an autoimmune reaction to early childhood vaccination. And uh, so, Barry, you, you continued to work with your son. You didn't... Somehow the Lord <laughs> put in your heart the ability to not give up, and you continued to work with your son. Can you describe some of the things that you did with him as you attempted to work with him? I, I, I can, and, and I, would, I would say this. One of the heroes of the faith for me is a man by the name of Robert A. Cook. Uh, he used to have a, a program called uh, Walk with the King, and he used to finish every broadcast, and he's now in heaven for many years. But he said, walk with the king today and be a blessing. And he, he, he taught me something important, which I quoted in my book. Uh, he said, faith trusts in God and then does what it can in the face of impossibility. And that is absolutely the right order, as we were just talking about. You know, we're under the water line. We need to trust in Christ alone and look to him for, for provision. But then don't just sit there trusting in him. Go out and knock on doors, go down and explore, go out and educate yourself, go out and fight. And knowing that he's with you and you've trusted in him first and not the guy in the mirror. And so we exhausted every conventional means, Dan, of, of trying to cause my son to develop 
uh, towards gross motor skills and walking and even speaking. It was just fruitless. And we went to a little-known group called the National Association of Child Development, which exists for the purpose of training families how to work with their brain-injured children. And they said, look, Mr. and Mrs. Malazzo, we cannot guarantee that your son will speak. We can't guarantee that he'll walk. But we can guarantee this. Unless you do what we're going to train you to do, it'll be a self-fulfilling prophecy. He's yeah. not going to do any of those things. And we were trained to work with his brain and to provide input and, and uh Repetition and motion and, and endless repetition over and over and over again amidst failure, teaching his brain, which would never cause him to rise and walk, what it was to feel his limbs, what it was to create new pathways. And now the word neuroplasticity is kind of a known term in 2018. In, in 1988, when we were doing this, in 89, we met the uh, NACD, pardon me. It was like, this was this is fringe stuff that people were looking at us like, you're crazy. You right. can't work with the brain this way. But we learned that just with that, with perseverance and endless effort and trying uh, that this, this child could, could progress. And again, he walked at 10 and he learned to speak along the way. And um, it's a dynamic, learning is a dynamic process. I'm 63 years old. I'm still learning. We, we all are. And the brain is able to do that. It's able to create new pathways around the, the damaged lesions and, and, and learn new things. It's, it's, it's an amazing organ. Oh, that's remarkable. So, um, that's the way we proceeded. Now, um, you, you worked with your son, and uh, as I understand it, you pushed him hard. Um, did that make you feel guilty at times? <laughs> uh, it was just, you know, a version of tough love that was difficult to do, but he had no hope without it. And, and, and part of the story, as you know, Dan, is that the Lord brought us an army of volunteers because I was overwhelmed trying to, you know, do this alone. And we had some of the best kids you could ever meet and, and senior citizens. People were coming in and out of my house two by two. He worked three hours per day, six days a week for 12 years. Wow. And I, I can't tell you what I, I love these people. I met the best people in the world along the way. I trust that many of them were blessed by my son. I you know we were blessed by their help, but still, unless I was there as the enforcer, my son, he wasn't, imagine any child at, you know, three years old, five years old, seven years old, asking them to do immense amount, three hours a day, six days a week, such hard things, frustrating things, fraught with failure. You know, there's a lot of anger from coming from the child, brain injured child who doesn't really understand. And there was discipline that was required and, and anything that was required, I had to do what was necessary to make him do what was going to open up a brighter future for him. So yeah, I was, I was kind of the enforcer. We made it a lot of fun as we could. Uh, sports was his, you know, his passion. And I was thankful for that. I could use it, you know, that, hey, you want to get the first base, let that take you by the shoulders and walk you there. And then take take my hands off his shoulders for like a split second and then put it back, leaning him against the wall. Why do you lean a crippled child against the wall? Isn't it like cruel to do that? Because as soon as you take your hands away, he's crumbling to the ground. Yeah. Well, what we didn't know and the NACD knew is that Every second, millions of messages are going from the brain to every extremity, to, from your feet, through your legs, all your muscles. The system's working, and it needs to work, and it needs to be given an opportunity to work. And so we were going inch by inch, and I knew if I could get him to take to stand for one second, many other seconds would follow. 
if you could take that first step years later, many other steps would follow. But getting to that first step, that was that was more challenging than I'd even like to remember. But but we got there. And yeah. by God's grace and through perseverance amidst a lot of demoralizing failure, um, we were able to get there. So God is to be praised. Do you find that um, at certain times in your life um, you're able to do something that now, maybe, looking back, you'd say, if I had to do that again, I, I don't think I could make it through. Uh, are there are there seasons of life where God places um, certain things in your life that you have to do, and, and, and it's a timely placement? I, I think that's a great question. And, you know, my best way of answering it, uh, the thing that comes to mind, Dan, is that uh, I do believe there's seasons of life. I think the Scripture tells us that. And, you know, even as we look at Job, it's, you know, James recounts the story of Job, and he says, you've heard of the the endurance of Job, and you've seen the outcome of the Lord's dealings, that the Lord is full of compassion and is merciful. First Peter 5.10 says, after you've suffered a little while, letting God define a little while, of course, the God of all grace who called you to his eternal glory in Christ Jesus will himself perfect, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. He'll bring things to an end as he sees fit to do it. And, and, and one of the things I just cling to to this day, uh, Dan, is um, from, say, Isaiah 43, pardon me. Um, do not call to mind the former things or ponder things of the past. Behold, I will do something new, declares the Lord. Now it will spring forth. Will you not be aware of it? I will even make a roadway in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. And God's always doing something new. And, and you know, but unless I have the eyes of faith, and wake up a little bit, and that's my prayer. Like, let me see what you're doing, Lord, because He could build me an eight-lane freeway, no longer, no, just not just a roadway. I'd miss it by a country mile, unless I believe that He's always doing something worth following. And so, you know, I have I have challenges even now, Dan. After the book is written, after the story is written, um, as you know, uh, my story, my son is currently battling blindness, and he did go blind in his left eye, and he's had a cornea replacement, and it's not perfect. And the same disease that blinded him in the left eye is now progressing in the right eye. So it's hands-on, it's unending. As I look back, no, I wouldn't want to go back to some of those days, and I don't have to. God's grace was sufficient then, and His grace is sufficient now. It never, ever ends. Amen. And so He, he is the one worth trusting, and He's the only one worth trusting. We were created by him and for him, verse, uh, Colossians one sixteen says. And I love that next verse. And in him, all things hold together. Everything in this universe, it, but including my crushed dreams and broken dreams and my crushed life, um, he holds it together. And he's got a plan. He's not thwarted, as we so easily are. So, yeah, he... He's shown us, um, he's shown me that, you know, he, he brings us to new seasons and he's always worth following no matter what uh, he has in store for us. You know, I'm looking at the clock here and I realize we got about a minute left, Barry. This went really quick, but I, I did want to mention to our listeners that uh, your story is even a lot harder even than what you've led on in this interview today. Um, you had to go through a an unwanted divorce. Uh, you had to raise mm. your, your you had to raise your three children alone. Uh, this is yeah. beyond um, beyond painful, and it really is analogous to um, the life of Job. If someone would like to get in touch with you, maybe they'd like to get your book and read it. It's called All the King's Horses, 
finding purpose and hope in brokenness and impossibility. How could they go about doing that? Uh, they can see it on Amazon.com, or they can go to my website, which is all the King's Horses Ministry. Dot com. You have to remember ministry, all the King's Horses Ministry dot com. And there you'll see a lot of videos that we took over those twelve years of Bryson progressing and some uh, some teachings and uh and the book is there as well. Yes. Well that's good. All the King's Horses is the name of the book. The author is Barry Milazzo, and he's lived what he has written about in this book. So dear listener Uh, If you're so inclined, uh, please uh, look that up, All the King's Horses. Barry, thank you so much for joining us today. It's my privilege, Dan. God bless you for what you're doing for the kingdom, and uh, God bless you, sir. Well, praise the Lord. Dear listener, please join us next week for another edition of A Plain Answer.